You're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly guinea radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. We've been friends for 15 years, man. That's a long Holy time. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the, I like, I was thinking about what are like the longest lasting things in my life. And it's, it's incredible that like, I mean, I hardly have any friendship that lasted so long. And it's just like, basically what I could come up with is like, okay, my, my, like some bands that I love that I've been like in love with forever. And then like a handful of people that I've known for so long. And yeah, you being one of the longest people I've been in touch with even though we never really had proper time to just hang out it's like mostly we're somewhere on the road or yeah. just like yeah so um I, I didn't like i didn't do any holiday this summer so like i just kept it low and like spent the six weeks alone but like for next year i'm planning on coming back so like i hope i can make it work and then we'll probably have time there absolutely man i make a point yeah. make a point of that and um yeah you know as time goes on friendships you know, things like that are very important and I'm valuing that yeah. more so as time goes on. And, you know, people get confused about liking someone's band and friendship. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, man. Well, you know, he's in a great band or whatever and, but they don't actually fulfill the part of being a friend. And I feel like yeah. there's a few people, like a very short list of people that i um i hold sort of in that circle and you're definitely one of them so i'm excited yeah, about dude, that. dude feelings feelings mutual so like i I'm, <clears throat> i broke up a lot of contacts again in the recent years and it's just like and i was thinking about like okay so one of the like the people that i've been in touch with longest like jan a friend of mine we went to school with each other and he lives in freiburg and i live in cologne which is like six hours away apart and if like we possibly see each other once a year, if it's if it works out, like, he has two kids now and he's like he's working in Switzerland and blah. But I just know like if something happens or if I need to talk to someone, he's there. And it's like it's also, you know, like there's I, I doubt a lot of people and like I, I don't really have faith in humanity and like just to be like a bit over exaggerating. But it's just like just knowing that people like you are still around, like you know we talk like once a year or we see each other once a year but it's just like he's my brother he's just n not living here and i know there are some cool people out there in the world and it's cool to be friends with them yeah totally man you know and throughout this friendship that we've had you played in several bands and uh yes you know we've you know you've come to the states we've done you know played shows and toured together in europe and the states and england things like that yes right now your current band is ulta and, yes. Uh, so, how long has that been been happening? How long? When did that start? Uh, Ulfa is in its fifth year now. Like uh, we started uh, somewhere around February or March with the first rehearsals, and we just uh, we always do like our own little festival, which is the Unholy Passion Fest, which oh. uh, suits your podcast yeah. episode we just talked about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, we always curate that, and this time it's uh, it's our fifth anniversary, so that's on December seventh, where we will play with a shitload of cool bands, and we will do a special set with like our first guitar player who had to leave the band and like playing with a bunch of friends on stage so yeah i've been doing this for five years and it started out in the last year of planks because uh planks was i mean i was living in cologne and the others were in frankfurt and Mannheim, so it was super tough to schedule rehearsals and i just wanted to have a band like in my own town where I just go like play and hang out yeah, and then Manu, like, we all knew each other from our old bands. Like, we've all been in bands in Germany and played tons of shows together, mostly, like, people from the south of Germany. And we all ended up living in Cologne or close to Cologne. And at some point, we just said, like, okay, let's start a band. And we always wanted to have, a, like, a black metal band. And then Manu, like, our drummer, he was the last missing piece because finding drummers is super hard here. And he, he's, like, he posted something on our message boards. Like, I'm, I'm looking for a flat in Cologne. And I, I wrote to him, like, dude, I don't care about your flat, but I want to have a band with you. <laughs> and, and then, like, the band was already, like, he had a band before he had a flat. And, yeah, ever since then, it's, like... Uh, 
it's been a ride, man. And it's, it's like these guys, it's a super cool camaraderie with them. We're all like on the same page with attitudes and everything. Yeah, dude. And now it's five years later, three full lengths, split records, EPs, <clears throat> and a new release on the horizon. Yeah. So tell me about the new release. Like, is it recorded yet? Yeah, yeah. I uh, we um, Andy, our keyboard player, who recorded all the records, and he entered the band like uh, he joined the band after the first record. So he's a like permanent member ever since then, and he's doing electronics and keyboards. And he has his own studio, and uh, we used to rehearse there. And now we have a different rehearsal room, but still like use the studio. So he just recorded two new songs for an EP which will be out on October 1st on Vendetta Records and yeah and uh, I mean EPs with us it's it's a bit different because uh, both songs are around 20 minutes long so it's like a 40 40 40 minute long EP yeah you know it's funny that you mentioned that because one of the things that uh, the subject of tonight's podcast has to do with uh, program length for records and yes. back in like the 80s and 90s, LPs were like 35 minutes long. You know, like yeah. Slayer, Rain and Blood, you know, it's short. Yeah. You know, limited by the physical uh, media, you know, of an LP. And yeah. you just mentioned that your EP is like 20, you know, like 40 something minutes long, which is like <laughs> yeah, yeah. funny these days, you know. Yeah, it's, it's um, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just the approach with this band, like my influences are... Definitely a lot like the classic black metal stuff. And I, I, I don't know. It's just like we started the band and the first record had songs about like 10 minutes long, 12 minutes long. And then like when we approached the second record, the songs just got longer. I felt more comfortable in what we're doing and like developed my own voice. And like I just kept like writing stuff that was really repetitive, but like with subtle nuances. So it keeps interesting. And I always like when when people ask me, it's like, what the hell is your band like? It's like when I say it's a black metal band, they're like, oh, okay. It's like, dude, no, no worries, no, no corpse paint, nothing. It's just like regular dudes just playing black metal. But our songs are twenty minutes long, and to me, it's like movie soundtracks, like movie scores. They're like a big influence on me. Just like the atmosphere and like with working with repetition and just like these subtle melodies. And yeah, then I have like, I don't know, it's like Sisters of Mercy songs, but just super long and super fast. Oh. Yeah, what, what what scores recently? Because I also like film scores and I find that to be influencing some of the music I've been doing for the last 10 years. So, you know, what, what composers do you like? Oh, uh, dude, like they're like the, 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 the holy trinity for me right now is Johan Johansson. Mm-hmm. who who passed last year and his score his score for prisoners like one of the most underrated and most awesome movies like in the last years that score is just amazing and he also did the mandy score yeah, and arrival that. yeah. that's great and um then it's clint mansell um and he did like my favorite movie score of all times is the one for the fountain oh yeah it was great and he recorded that with Mogwai and the Kronos Quartet, who also did Requiem for a Dream. So just that score. The movie in itself, like on a visual level, is amazing. The story is so-so, but the score is just the best thing ever. The Last Man, that track, oh man, uh, Death is the Road to Awe. Like these two tracks, they're just like the best ever in movie scoring. And then the third one is uh, Max Richter. And he did the score, for example, for the TV show Leftovers, which mm-hmm. is after Twin Peaks, the best TV show I've ever seen. And the score for that is just amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm familiar with him. I got to check that. I mean, I've seen Leftovers, but I, I didn't know the name of the composer. So that's something I Dude, should definitely check out. Unbelievable. Like he did so much cool stuff. And especially that one is just like unbelievable. I remember you sent me the score for The Fountain. And uh, yes. I was totally blown away by that. That's something I still listen to, like to this day. Yeah. Actually, it's a great, ex- excellent score. I was tracking, like trying to track it down on vinyl, and there was rumors that there was a version, but it didn't. Like I couldn't get it, and like two years ago, it saw re-release in a very beautiful packaging. And this one is framed in my apartment because it's just, it's just so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, one of the things that I think you and I bonded over early on, and uh, is is just the the similarity that we have in musical tastes. Yeah, and totally. Back we met when 
when my old band Anodyne was on tour and you know you were uh someone who was very hospitable to us and let us stay at you know we had a couple of days off and yeah you know we're like this uh oasis in that sea of misery <laughs> that that tour ended up being and um <laughs> You know, it was, yeah. and you and I, like we, I just remember specifically that one night we stayed at your place and we just like talked like into the yeah. night, you know, about music and movies and all this other stuff. And yeah. so that's why I feel like I understand when, when you have a new band or a new record coming out and I hear it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's just makes complete sense to me because I feel like the same sort of energy guides yep. our creative visions you know what i mean absolutely man this is just like it's it's been crazy that we met back then and i mean i was just like i was still like way young in a way but it's just like we we talked about so many bands and was just like okay so this guy gets what i like and i get what he likes and that rarely happened before that and i just remember when we like was still like living in a flat like in this flat when i studied with like two other dudes and i had this small room and uh you guys stayed in there with with josh and joel and like we watched the death is just the beginning video yeah. like all these old death metal bands and yeah then we talked about so many things movies and shit um and about how much you like unbroken <laughs> wink <laughs> and all all these things but yeah man it was just like oh my god this this dude is like he's the man and just like i loved anodyne and then it was funny like because then anodyne after that tour this like broke up a short while after my old band hellstrom broke up back then and then you started tombs and shortly after i started planks which had that like different approach but like in the songwriting perspective of just having these like melodies and the intensity and was always like yeah i mean we totally developed in different like ways but everybody said like tombs and planks always make sense together yeah that's and why now we have yeah. that split the split out ep that came out which is impossible yeah. to find and those tracks yeah. are you know we should repress that i think at some point it'd be fun <laughs> yeah man it would be uh, it's crazy yeah because um yeah well planks has been dead now for a while but people still write to us like is there still vinyl left and so, so you can track down some stuff on discogs but like that split like i think people that have it they don't like leave it leave it to someone else yeah and it's like super limited too i mean like i i released that on my defunct label and there was i know there was only like 300 copies that are out there so yeah yeah, there was the European version with a different cover that that our buddy Liddy Liddy did, uh -huh. and that was also limited. And yeah. like these two, like they were sold out instantly, and I don't know, like they never pop up. But yeah, it's like um, I just recently been like been going through that stuff, and it's crazy. Yeah, and that was just like that time was the shift when Tomb started incorporating blast beats and stuff before yeah. Winter Hours came yep. out. That's yeah. true. Um, yeah, the drummer we had on that record couldn't really blast, so the guy, you know, Andrew kind of stepped it yeah. up and, you know, took it <laughs> to a different level. Uh, so that brings us to today's subject, Breach, specifically the Collapse record. And you have the, have the uh, responsibility of putting, sort of schooling me on this band. You know, I, I had never heard of them. I'd seen that name. They had that, mm -hmm. they had a record on Relapse. But yes. I never really uh, knew who they were until you, you schooled me on it. Yeah, yeah, my, my pleasure, absolutely. And, and it was just like, this is a perfect match of that, where I knew like this band is something that he will like and he will understand why I love it so much. And I mean, this, this record like collapses ageless. Been just playing it constantly like for the last few weeks again and it's just like it's it's like it's came out in 2001 originally like it's listed as 2002 but it's like came out in 2001 and it still holds up it's still such a good record and it's been hugely influential on what i do like just the the perspective of like do whatever the fuck you want like if the, you want to bring like an atmosphere across do whatever the fuck you want and people give us shit with Ulta here. Like some people love it, and some people like the the purists of the German or European black metal. You know, like ah, oh, you guys are not black metal because you don't look like a black metal band, and you have slow songs and you have like wave songs. What the fuck? And we're like, dude, I don't give a shit. Like you have a gazillion other bands you can listen to, then don't listen to our band. But it's just like the thing with Ulta because we all have the same mindset. 
So we all love Breach. We all know their records and especially Collapse and the one before that, Venom, which was on Relapse. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just like they did whatever they wanted. They, they, I mean, on that record, the singer does wolf howls, but not like in a black metal way. It's just like retarded wolf howls. And it's just the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's go over some of the details, some of the factual stuff about the record. So I have the release date as December third, two thousand one, on mm -hmm. Bur Burning Heart Records. Correct. And yes. It was recorded at Gr Grandal Studios, August first, two thousand one, by Anders Ekstrom, who's the guitar player in the band. Yes. Does, does that check out? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's uh, what I just have the vinyl version in front of me. And uh, it says the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, you try to find info, the, the names, you know, things are a little sketchy sometimes. And they're uh, not a band you find a lot of information about. No, there's very little, actually. Um, I mean, uh. even if you go to Wikipedia, there's like just like a couple paragraphs about the band. Yeah, like on Discogs, you find a longer paragraph, but this is basically just the relapse promo sheet because it ends with venom there's no word about collapse <laughs> yeah which is I, totally ironic because that actually this this is the record most people know the band for really i mean yeah yeah a lot of people like they had a they had a music video that even played on headbangers ball and um for for the song of of venom but then collapse came out two years later and kind of like no one really noticed that and it's just like it's what like they did a lot of crazy stuff and they per like just were perfect on collapse, where everything is like to to the finest detail is just perfect in what they do. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, they they called it quits at the perfect time too. Like because sometimes yes. bands will make that one record and they'll play have three or four records that just are a decline in, in the quality. You know. Yes, and I and I just like it that they were so consequent and just say like, okay, we're done here. And like we like they just they I mean they toured with Entombed before and they toured with Neurosis, which both makes sense. Yeah. And then they just released the record and they said like the chemistry is not there and they broke up. And then two thousand seven, like at the wedding of one of those guys, they played a reunion show and there's a video on YouTube of that actually, where they're all like dressed up sharp, like with their Scandinavian swagger. And like <laughs> they, they play two or three songs and then people said like you never played a final song and then like in December of two thousand seven they played a final show at Stockholm and uh I didn't get a ticket. So like I already had like a flight schedule, but then the tickets were sold out. Oh, and there's wow. also video footage of that. It's, well it was my chance to see them, but I didn't see them and this still bums me out. Yeah. But then they, they said like no, not like refused, like they came back and did like a gazillion other things. They're just like we play that one show because we owe like our fans a final show and then we're done. And that's that. Yeah, there's there's an interview with uh Nicholas Quintana after the show and um okay he talks it's uh, it's on youtube and um he, he it's in swedish but with subtitles so you can okay listen, you know if you are a, a savage american like me and can't really <laughs> speak anything besides english you know and whatever attempts you have at learning things have been like you know suppressed yeah. here in this police state that we live in but uh <laughs> um anyway there's a uh he talks about how that was definitely the last time they're ever going to play uh, in this yeah. in this interview, and that he does mention that he is quite satisfied with how Collapse came out as like the final document of the band's existence. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyway, at the end of that show, they destroyed all their instruments, and um, you know, and and they pretty much closed the door on any more activity. Uh, you yeah. know, he actually he did not rule out performing again but he ruled out um any more new material because the interviewer asked him if there was going to be any more records or recordings or anything and he's like it's funny because he's like i think any any new material by this band would be pathetic <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's also not necessary because they said everything they could say with collapse yeah. and i mean they all have like new projects and uh, just like a couple of years ago i saw like the both the big bands with uh Terra tenebrosa yeah. and which is like the main songwriter and then the old wind with the yeah. singer mm -hmm. and they toured together and i was just hoping they would play a breach song together but like they didn't but it's just like you saw that and it's like if you want more stuff in that vein listen to these two bands it's not breach 
but it's both like you can totally see where these guys come from and it has this distinct sound that only this band has yeah both of those bands are great actually and, and i think yeah. uh nicholas plays in the old wind as well yes right yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just like it was. I think it was seven people on tour, and like because Terratina Brosa, they all wear with like these these monk robes. They look like sun, just a bit different. And then you have the cuckoo singing, and like they all like parts of them played also in the old wind. So they're still buddies and everything, which is cool. And just like to say, like yeah, we had that band, and it's cool that people still dig it, but we don't want to like revive it. It's it's been done. It's all good. I find that to be a very European thing, the fact that these bands have like seven members in them, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. here in the States, I guess there's always been like this economy of um, of members and bands where you have like four people, five tops, but like these European bands will have seven, eight, nine people as part of their travel, you know, party. And it's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's cool. There's like a keyboard player. There's like a guy doing electronics. There's like all this like, very um you know sort of layered approach to live setting you know yes yeah i mean this is uh, the, the thing that it, uh, i remember when we toured with you guys in the states that people were like oh these guys use their own lights what the fuck is happening and then afterwards they were like wow this is really cool and we're just like with planks and also with ultra we always carry our own light because I just hate what light people mostly do at shows. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, and I mean, it's a bit of a drag, but like we're, we're accustomed to it now, and it just makes like a different impression because people they just know when they see it, it's like, oh fuck, this is Ulta playing, and and like yeah, it makes something distinct. And like I mean, we both know a lot of bands that wear costumes on stage, and I think like most of them they're like half-assed, and it's just not good. But seeing something like Portal. Or like Terra Tenebrosa, it just makes sense. I and mean, it's so well executed that it's not pathetic at all. It's just like creepy as fuck. And like, especially Terra Tenebrosa with lighting and like the guy in the cuckoo's mask, it would just looked so stunning. So yeah, that was one of the best shows I've seen in the last years. Yeah, I got to check. I hope, I mean, it's unlikely that band would ever come to the States, I think. But uh, that, 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 there, was, there was talks about this from what I heard because... Um, the whole like the whole Terra Tenebrosa catalog up until the last one, which is on the French label DB Momorti, they were all on Apocaplexi record, which is a label from Eastern Germany, a small one that released something by like from uh, from Planks as well. And Mike, who did it, he's besides me maybe the biggest breach nerd, and he actually stepped up his game at some point and approached breach. Got a contact, was in touch with them, and then they said, like, dude, if you can convince Epitaph to let go of the rights for, like, a little limited vinyl release, we're down to do that. Because Burning Hearts was bought off by Epitaph at some point. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's oh, uh, wow. they they own fifty one percent of the shares. So Burning Heart was was because they had like all these bands, they had the hives and all this shit at when they at their peak, and then Epitaph just bought them, and with them all like the smaller releases, and it's it's kind kind of like with Candlelight Records and Woe that yeah. they said like yeah, well we don't care about the record, we won't reprint it, but like we also won't give you back the rights. Oh wow! So, so all that stuff's out of print too then. That's yeah, and but like, but Mike actually like it's so funny because Mike, he back then he would just like had his second baby, and he was like this super regular, nice, quiet guy. He actually started doing all this research, talking to lawyers, and talking to Epitaph, and they in the end allowed him to do like a five hundred vinyl press of Collapse of Venom and It's Me God, and it's like you you can get like because Collapse before that was never released on vinyl. So he did it like as a deluxe two LP version, which is super, super nice. And he even, what's the craziest thing? He dug up a last song that hasn't been released. Oh, man. And I have that song. And if you want it, I will send it to you. Please. I thought I already did. But like, yeah, it's a, it's called Empty Hand. And it's like 2 minute 46. And it's a perfect like song that could have been easily on collapse. It just fits really well. Yeah, this vinyl, man. It's like, I remember when I got, I have the CD version of Collapse and I spent like $48 American uh, mm. at a, at a, for a CD at this record shop in Amsterdam. 
uh, yeah. I was like, it was probably like a couple of weeks after you told me about the record and played it for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to find this, man. So we were, we were in Amsterdam. Actually, it was when um, there was that festival that we played with uh, the 244GL. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. My that was in the Netherlands. And yeah. we got there early and we went into Amsterdam and we were you know, walking around and we found a record shop, went in. I found two things. There was the Rollins band, Gore Split, and the Breach what? record. I ended up spending like $100, I think, just on those two <laughs> records. And I was like, uh-huh. but, you know, hey, sometimes Money you got to well do spent. things like that. And Dude. I'm happy Dude. to have both of those records in my collection, yeah. you know. Yeah, man. It's like I, I still have the original print of Collapse, which was been like has been put out by uh, Trust No One. The, the Swedish label by Tim, the guy who drums in Switchblade. Oh, yeah. Also a super, super underrated band. And that vinyl was, like, unbelievably expensive when I bought it. And it's like, there were, like, these two or three records, or there are, and where I always think, like, okay, like, the one, I, I spent a lot of money on that Breach record before the reprint came out. And, I mean, there's also, like, Deadest Dreams by Weakling, which is, like, my favorite black metal record. Um, it's, like, it never pops up on Discogs under 300 euros or yeah. something. And I'm always like, ah, fuck. So, like, I'm really considering it, but it's just I couldn't get myself to the point to say, like, I'll actually buy it. Yeah, that, uh, I, I, I got to get my hands on that vinyl re-release, man. I, I'm, I know I'm of the uh, Collapse record. I know that's mm. going to be pricey, but I got to find a copy of that somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I just checked this, Cox. You can find the It's Me God on vinyl. It's pretty easy to track down. You could also get the, the Venom one fairly easy, but the Collapse is not listed. Like, no one is selling yeah. it right now. Yeah. But, like, I guess at some point people will sell it. And, yeah, I mean, it, I think since not a lot of people know that, and that's why I'm so happy we do this podcast about this record because it's a record almost nobody knows or remembers and it's so worth it. So like, yeah, you can still get it fairly cheap, except it's, that now all your listeners try to get that record because they listen to it right now and they say like, I'll get it before my kill gets it. Well, may, well maybe the, the renewed uh, interest in that record will make someone else repress it because frankly, that, it's very likely that a lot of people listening to this have never even heard the band, which... Uh, no to me is like a crime. So if yeah. you're out there and you don't know who Breach is, do me a big favor and check them out. And you know, we're going to we're going to have a couple of songs as intros and outros just to give you a flavor of what they sound like. But yeah. um you know, if you've been listening to this show for a while and you kind of understand like musically like where I'm coming from, it's one of my all-time favorite bands and this specifically this record is like one of the most powerful records. It's in my top 10 records I think of all time. Dude, here, self here, like the same thing here. How, like, and that that's interesting. Like, I thought about, like, if you'd asked the question for the podcast, how would you describe Breach? Let me, let me address this to you. Yeah, how would I you was describe actually, it? that was going to be my next topic as like, how would you <laughs> describe the band? Exactly. Okay. Should I go first? Or yeah, you, you go ahead. Go ahead, man. Well, it's, um, I was really, I was really wrapping my head around it. And uh, to put it in, like, I guess primarily Americans will listen to your podcast. I mean, you have like a lot well, of international listeners, but I like looked, I think I looked at our metrics and, we, and? yeah, we have about 70% Americans, you know, North Americans, including Canada and about 20% to 20 to 30% like Eastern, you know, Western Europe. You know what I mean? Okay. And then some, yeah. and a small percentage of people in different parts of the world. Okay. So, okay, like to put it in like American terms, I would say if Neurosis played with a helmet and a post-punk band in really dark, I don't know. Like this is, they, they always been compared to Neurosis, which I kind of understand because of the tribal drums they yeah. sometimes have. But it's not like the they took it from Savage Republic and Neurosis made their own thing of it, and Breach is totally different from that. And it's very European because like the, there's Scandinavia, especially Sweden, has like in this vein they had like a lot of bands, more like indie bands, but they had like this spazzy kind of disharmonic way of playing guitar and harmonies together. And I mean, Refused is like maybe the burning heart band that everybody knows for shape of punk to come 
And what you can't actually compare the two records, but like where they were like, okay, we're the the hipster kind of San Diego style, you know, with the mop top haircut and shit. They they were like the punky thing. And it, it's almost like the darkened version of Shape of Punk to Come is what Collapse does. You know, that's a very good description of it. And uh, the, if I were to describe them, the first thing I would say is like definitely it's a very European sound. And, and you yes. touched on a lot of that, like a, the way the Swedes have that discordant uh, guitar style, uh, especially from that era. You know, and yeah. within within the the hardcore punk sort of world. I mean, yes. Swedes playing metal, you know, have like a yeah. You know, I would think of yeah. like uh, you know, like entombed and you know, yeah. dismember and stuff like that. It's not at all like that. But no, it's it's not a metal band. It's not metal. It's, it's like, yeah. No, but it's also not a hardcore band. Yes. But it's actually typical for that time because like I I remember that in 95, 96, I scored a sampler, Cheap Shots, by Burning Hard Records. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, like, I got it on CD, and it had, like, a lot of shitty hardcore bands. Well, these shitty hardcore bands were Refused, 59 Times the Pain, Raised Fist, Breach, and bands like this, and they were all, at the first beginning, they all sounded like Earth Crisis ripoffs or, like, you know, Strive and all the American bands that were popular back then. And they all, like, an Abinanda, yeah, that's another band. They all started, like, as a straight hardcore band, and then they developed in such a different shape, and they all became something totally unique. And, like, the top three being, I mean, refused, we all know what an impact the shape of yeah. Punk to Come had back then. And it still holds up. I mean, I'm not necessarily a fan of, like, them being back and now doing, like, telecom sponsored tours and saying yeah capitalism stole my virginity but like they're still around and that record is just flawless and abinanda a totally underrated band their last record the rumble is like it's like turbo negro in in like super fucked up and like even more emotional some way which is awesome and then breach they just developed their own distinct sound and it's just so dark and it's heavy, but it has like this rock, death rock element in it. Then these instrumentals, it's just so weird what they do. And it's just so flawless when you hear the total package. And also, I'm going to I'm going to make another statement, too. And, um, you know, I got to remember their their career as a band started like in the 90s. I'm yes. talking about Breach. You know, it ended yeah. it ended in 2001. So they're, by all accounts, a 90s band. Yes. And they in many many ways and in many uncredited ways i think are responsible for bands like cave in and isis and all that other stuff as well as the obvious stuff like neurosis and sure you know and I, I, aaron aaron turner has been on the podcast and i've you know i met aaron like in like 95 or something like that and i think mm -hmm. he was one of the only people that knew about breach back then yeah, and, I remember you telling me about this. Yeah, yeah, and it, that yeah. makes makes sense because ISIS definitely like everybody always says ISIS just stole from Neurosis, which is not true. They were their own band. Yeah, and and uh, you can clearly hear that Breach had an influence in some way on that. The the I think the most well known band that still kind of does that is Cult of Luna. Yes, definitely. they 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 do it like in a bigger way and more theatrical. Breach is like the punk rock version of of Cult of Luna in a way. Yeah. So whatever it was, it, we're trying to describe and encapsulate what their music sounds like. So I think that if you're familiar with these bands, as well as Amon Ra too, whatever yes, yeah. you call those bands is basically Breach is the founder, the, the sort of stepfather, if you will, of that style of music, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen to that. Yeah. yeah. So let, let's run down the tracks on this record. And, um, yeah. you know, so just from the top and we can talk about what our favorites are. Um, all right. So the record kicks off with big, strong boss. It's got program drums. It's instrumental yeah. old, old ass player, sphincter, Ani, Alarma, lost crew, teeth out, breathing dust, Mr. Marshall, seven murder Kings and killer Queens. And finally collapse. And, uh, all of these, all of these songs have a very distinct sound. It's not like okay, this is like thrash versions. It's like 
every record, every song actually stands on its own as a completely different sort of statement, in my opinion. Yes. And it's just like the flow. It's like one of the, because we were talking about how much like as an influence Breach has an Ulfa. It's like first of this, would you do whatever the fuck is needed to get the message, like the feeling cross you want? And it's something that you best digest in the context of the whole record. It's yeah. not like, I mean, you can, you can like songs like Murder Kings and Killer Queens or Lost Crew. They're like, they function as their own song. Like they're straightforward. And like, especially Murder Kings and Killer Queens is like almost like a punk song. They're just so fast and driven. But if you like listen to the whole record from front to back, there's just like such an in immense flow and just so so cool to just like see how they work like one song into the next song and it's hardly ever been done to perfection like in like on that record yeah exactly and uh what, what are some of your favorite tracks uh i gotta say definitely my number one song is alarma mm-hmm and it's just like, and actually it reminds me of one of the first Tomb songs on the first EP, Darker really? Than Your Nights. Okay, okay. Because it has this this uh, down-tuned guitar, and it's just like the first, it's just like these first guitar strongs, like in the beginnings, just like these simple things. And then the drums kick in, and it's just like so hypnotic. Like, I just love, it's so dark. And, um, well, the... Uh, the instrument it's not an yeah the instrumental teeth out number six on the record yeah it's like nine minute long and it incorporates like xylophone and marimba and and all these weird things and if you like listen to the record a bunch of times the drummer i'm pretty positive only played like a snare a stand drum a kick a, a hi-hat and a right but no crash, no rack toms and it's just like doing this weird rhythms just with like hi-hat snare and on that one, it's just like underneath it. And you have like all these other instruments, layers over layers on top of it. And so good. Yeah. So like teeth out, Mr. Marshall, love it. Like with the wolf's howl, then it gets quiet and then it builds up with the keys in the end. And the final like collapse. It's just such a beautiful ending, like nine minutes long. It's just magnificent. Yeah. That's what about you? One. For me, uh, Alarma. And it's 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 funny that you mentioned that it reminds you of a, of a track off the first tunes record. I think that uh, like sort of maybe subconsciously, that might have snuck in there as like an influence. And um, but yeah, that that song when I, I remember hearing that for the first time, you know, because it starts off with this kind of lo-fi guitar, and then yeah. it kicks in with this like crushingly heavy, Ugh. just like end of the world. Yeah, and exactly. there's like this ultimate sorrowful like guitar line that comes in and it's just like so heavy and emotional and intense and that song is my favorite song on the record and it's very simple like there's not rhythmically it's not very complex and like the like the song structure is very repetitive but it has like such an emotional impact see Um, and now i gotta say sorry for interrupting but again of course it's your favorite track it's also my favorite track mm -hmm. so yeah that's brings us back to the point that we had earlier there's some synchronicity yeah. there. Um, then Lost Crew is actually a song. If I want to, like, if I pick up this record and I'm like, you know, I want to just listen to a couple yeah. of tracks, like, that's a song because it's, um, it sounds like Interpol or something like that. It has this, like, uh, you know, <laughs> it actually does, vibe yeah. to it, you know. And the, but, I the first time listening through this record, I was like, that song just jumped out, like, as being like a real uh, abrupt left turn, you know. And yeah. And that became one of my favorite songs on the record. And yeah, then, that's uh, the, you know, sorry. No, you go ahead. So finally, Breathing Dust, If that, those are my top three on the record, Breathing yeah. Dust, yeah. a great song. Amazing. I just remember, like, back then, there was, there's, this, the magazine is still around, Visions magazine. It's yeah. like an, like a print, print scene, very big in Germany, Europe, like, yeah, mostly Germany. And it's, um, it has more like an alternative vibe, but they also do metal and hardcore. And they used to have this CD, which came with the, uh, with the magazine. And I had this, like, a subscription back then. And on one, like on one CD, there was actually uh, Lost Crew as a song on it. And I didn't even know that there was a new Breach record coming out. <laughs> so it was just like at home. I don't know. I was still living with my parents back then. 
because like when we met, I just had been like leaving my home for, I, I left uh, like two or three months ago. So like I was still living at home and like came home, did something for school, put the CD in. And it was like, okay, this song sucks. Next song sucks. All of a sudden like, and it started. I'm like, holy shit, what is this? And it's like, oh my God, it's a new Breach song. They have a new record out. Ah, And it was like, it was so cool back then because you had to really wait it out until the record was released and then go to a store and like buy it. And like, not like today, it's like, oh, there's a new track, add it on Spotify. Yeah. Oh, the new album is out, download it on Spotify. Back then it was just like this tension and you were like, oh man, I'm really awaiting this record. And when it comes out, I will play it like a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's funny that that track was on a sampler because you could be easily misled to what what this band sounds like if that was yes. the first song yeah. you heard by them. Yeah, and I, I can I could totally see that people were like, "Oh, this is cool! I buy the CD." And at home, they were like, "What are the what the fuck are they doing?" And I mean, just like opening the records with Big Strong Boss, like a five and five minute long, I think four and a half to five minute long instrumental song that develops really slowly with like this tender rhythms and then going into alt as player is just like a statement to say like fuck it uh we will not open with a short intro and then a fast song or with a heavy song we will open it with a like an instrumental yeah definitely it was it was like uh that's something that was very made a huge impact on me as well and something that i'm still trying to do like creatively is to match that sort of uh, dichotomy of you know sort of soft subtlety yeah. that the, that they incorporated by by doing that song selection you know it's just like totally like you know really really worked well on that record i think like what, what most impresses me still listening to breach especially like with with collapse and also with venom is i think like i mean i with planks i tried to write riffs in that vein but it never worked yeah. and we were just the three piece and it was just like me writing the stuff and then the others adding their stuff to it with Ulta, it's like we are five people and like in the beginning we had a very good second guitar player now we have one that is really creative as well but i think to write something like this you need to be a real unit yeah of like you know like and really jam it out in the rehearsal studio because i'm i'm pretty sure that the swedes mostly like they play something and one guy fucks up a chord and by by accident there's just this weird ass harmony and they say like this is exactly what we need because i think you cannot write something like this alone at home or on paper it has to like organically like happen in the in the rehearsal space yeah there, there's definitely that feel to it for sure you know um, another band that comes to mind, I mean, because like you know, we were talking earlier about other bands that we found to be similar to them or sort of mm -hmm. disciples of what they've done. And you know, we mentioned Amon Ra, we mentioned Isis, we mentioned Cult of Luna. Um, there's also that's the Swiss band, um, Knut. Oh, yeah, man, Knut, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they are, they're definitely... Um, I see a lot of similarities between what they do. It may be like they're, they might be a little bit more aggressive, I think, yes. than, than Breach. But, you know, another Hydrahead band that may or may not be obscure to some of the people that are listening to this. But they, um, you know, there's definitely like a similarity, I think, in, between them and Breach. Yeah, especially since Knut, when they started out, they were like really just technical and was like typical of that time, like Hydrahead, Escape Artist bands, like where you had like technical ability, but the lack of actually good songwriting. Right. And they, they out, like they really grew on that. And when they put out, I think the last one was Terraformer, they did. Mm -hmm. And it started out with this like six minute long slow song where it's just like super, like also the guitar work was the same, but not like technical drumming and then after that they just started playing really weird and then they had like an like also a, an instrumental in the middle where it gets more quiet and that's this makes these records even more enjoyable that it's not like full-on chaos for like 40 minutes but you actually have time to breathe in the middle which makes the next song even more intense and that's what like ben like the collapse record does all the time yeah and also uh you know, I, t I touched on this earlier when we were talking about um you know the the new uh, Ultra record being uh, being an EP that's over forty minutes. This yes. uh, the track the track length for Collapse is uh, for, let's see I have it written down here it's forty mi forty eight minutes okay yes and this 
they were in the beginning, I think, of like the longer program lengths of records. You know, yes. now now because of the digital format being relatively new, like this record was only available on CD at the time it came out, and um, now, two thousand one, late nineties records are getting longer you know and now it's like you know standard lps are over 60 minutes long now it seems like you know and uh yeah so they're they're also they were ahead of the curve i think or the the sort of propagators of longer records and having more like uh development in in an lp so and and for like for this connection to like our new ep which uh, definitely like if people listen to to like breach now and like the, when our new ep comes out and they listen to it they will definitely find like the 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 way it just evolves you know like the process in the songs but there's always this red line that you can follow and with like i remember that was the time when walkman were still a thing <laughs> yeah. so so you know like i was a huge like big fan on tapes like i actually did tape trading in 93 with like sweden and norway so i had like all these black metal demos back then and and like the tape is still for me a very attractive medium and i remember like putting like these tapes so i had like i don't know breach collapse on the one side and had like i don't know something else snapcase maybe on the b side or something and i like walking around with my walkman you didn't have like track skips so and listening to it like i did it like on vinyl do it like if you listen to sphincter any going into alarma it doesn't sound like there are two separate tracks right it just right. flows it flows into each other same goes later on with mr marshall into seven or like the end of Murder Kings and Killer Queens goes into collapse. It doesn't like you could also believe it's one track where they just changed the pace. That's and true. I, yeah, and I love that. And like with with the with the new songs that we did, like the the first one on the EP is very repetitive, so I have like one riff that comes a lot of times. And the second one has like different parts and the people that listen to it said like, Oh my god, this is just like there's so much happening over the twenty two minutes that it's long. And it, but just like the riffs are always like they they remain kind of the same. They're just like being textured differently. And then you listen to it, and it's just like okay, there's a long doom part. Then there's like a keyboard in the middle with just like keyboard and drums, and it's just like a flow to it. And that's what I learned from Breach because like no band ever did it better. I, I totally agree with that. So going forward, what do we got coming up for Ulta? We got the new record. Um, are you guys? Is there a release date for that? Yes, yes. So, like, uh, the plan right now is to release it October 1st, and uh, we will go on a tour shortly after that, which starts uh, on the 14th of October, which will take us uh, to Zagreb and Budapest and, like, the East Bloc, and we'll end at a festival in Belgium, and after that, we've got, like, two other shows lined up, like, in smaller festivals in the fall, and we always end the year uh, in December in Cologne with our end-of-the-year show, the Unholy Passion Fest that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, from there on in, I don't know. Like, we will continue. I, I'm always writing songs. I mean, if you combine all the shit that we released already in the five years, it's pretty impressive how much stuff. But it's just like I'm constantly writing. So, and the others are just like, they're into it. And like, we have this modus operandi where we go like into the studio and jam out my stuff that I write. And then we make changes to it to make it like an author thing. And we're all really, really productive. And now having like our own studio at hand with Andy Studios also helping. So yeah, there's that release. We will have a, a, a split seven inch coming out in December, which I cannot talk to, uh, talk about uh, a lot because it's still kind of a secret, but this is coming out in december um yeah from there on in uh writing new stuff for record number four and that being out hopefully early next year or like late next year we will see yeah that's awesome online how can people find you guys you guys you know facebook websites instagram all that kind of stuff of course we're like a media horse we have everything yeah (laughs) (laughs) so like we have our own website it's a temple of ultha ultha.com like temple of ultra where you can find like videos and like all the songs lyrics show dates and stuff we have facebook which is uh, facebook.com slash temple of ultra as well 
Uh, Instagram, it's author um, underscore you exist for nothing. And that's our uh, Instagram. And that's uh, I do most of the web presence. So, yeah, if people want to communicate, we're always happy to, uh, especially since we have like plans and we really want to come to the States next year. But it's super difficult because, I mean, it has already been difficult. And when Planks did it, it was kind of semi-legal. Right. But but right now, with the nice guy you have in charge, that makes it <laughs> makes it even harder for us. And I don't want to get busted at the airport and sent back home like it happened to so many other bands. So, yeah, if, if, like, if there are people out there listening to this and they have like, okay, I know how to work this, how we can get you over there. Please hit us up. We would love to play this. Uh, we have so many friends in the States, so many bands that we already played with, and I definitely want to play with Tombs again. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that um, really bums me out that we haven't done yet, either in Europe or over here in the States. But for sure, you know, I think uh, that's that needs to happen in 2020. Like, we're we're not we're currently uh, taking a break from, from road work until the end of the year, but in 2020, we're going to be trying to do some more things. So, yeah, I think yeah. that should, we should try to make that a priority for sure, dude. You you know I would love to. I mean, you said you won't come back to Europe, <laughs> so uh, only yeah. I, I I actually went back on that last year when we played Hellfest. So that's yeah, you know. But yeah, I'll I'll come back to Europe. I just you know a good reason yeah. would be to come and play with you guys, dude. We would love to. Like just, I mean, we're in touch anyhow. So like, yeah. let's make plans for 2020. We would love to do that. It would be awesome, man. Awesome, man. Well, it was great talking to you, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun doing this, man. Yeah, dude, it was a long time coming and uh, glad it worked and that uh, actually seemed to sound okay because last time we did like this podcast for your old Everything Went Black thing, it was kind of like hard to understand me because the telephone line was so shitty. But I think yeah. this was really, really cool. So, well, and yeah. Everything Went Black still exists. It's still, I still do it um, just to let anyone out there who doesn't listen to my other show, it's called Everything Went Black and uh, that's sort of started before this and I don't put episodes out as regular as I used to, but it's still rocking and rolling, still doing it, still have other episodes that are coming out fairly soon. So if you guys want to, you can't get enough of me on a weekly basis, you want to hear more, <laughs> go to everythingwentblackmedia.com and you can listen to all the old episodes and find out about the new ones that are coming out. Yeah. Awesome. Dude, like, thanks so much for having me. It was good catching up. And uh, yeah, please keep up the work with the podcast. I love it. It's like I listen to it every week and looking forward to it. Right it's on, really man. good. I appreciate yeah, that. So. All right. Hope, thanks a lot for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. That's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, the Gimme Radio Weekly Podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. The show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews with artists, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Take care.